Well, praise the Lord. I hope you can remember how long it's been since you talked to the Lord. I hope you can say yes to my question tonight. Have you talked to the Father today? Well, I hope you can say that. I hope you didn't just talk to Him. I hope you fellowship with Him. Amen? Listen to Him as He's talked to you. Boy, oh boy. I have a special prayer request tonight. I won't tell you his name, but I have a dear, dear pastor friend that um, I have preached for down through the years and and have just learned to love him and his family. And 6.30 this morning, his um, 41-year-old son died. And... Um, and then his brother died also. And then his dad found his brother in the floor and he f- fainted in the floor and he could be dying also. So he could be, have lost three loved ones in one day. And I would love for you to remember him and the family in prayer. And um, I'm going to go ahead and pray and pray for them And then um, we'll get right into the sermon tonight. My Father, I asked you, and I know you've already comforted him and comforted his family. and, And Lord, I pray that you will just give him, I know that you're going to give him the grace because you say your grace is sufficient. And Father, I pray not only for my friend, but for his wife and for the young wife that lost her husband and the children lost their dad. And Father, I pray for the brother and his family And Lord, I I just asked you to, I know that these folks are with you tonight and they are rejoicing because they are with you. But they left a lot of people behind. And I ask, Father, that these people will experience your grace through this trying trial in their life. And then, Father, I pray for this service tonight that you will be with me. And, Lord, my heart is aching. But, Lord, I'm here to preach the message that you would have me to preach. And, and Lord, to preach it in the way that you would have me to. And help me, help me to be loving and caring. And, and Father... If I can't, would you would you let me just have a seat and be quiet and let somebody else, the choice of the pastor, to do the preaching? And Father, I pray for the loss as I always do, and I pray for the backslidden. And, and Lord, I pray that this will be a great service as we have experienced in the last few days. I love you. Thank you. 
you, Sister Polly, tonight? Is she suffering maybe with her eyes? Touch them. Be a pastor. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right, let me call your attention to the 17th chapter of the book of John, which is an intercessory chapter. The whole chapter is talking about intercessory prayer. It is our Lord's high priestly prayer. As you will find in verse 9, our Lord says here in verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then in verse 20, verse of the same chapter of the book of John, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And that prayer comes down to us and includes us tonight. Our Lord's intercessory remembrance of us. As I read that chapter, my heart is blessed. A lot of people will say, Brother Beckham, well, where is the real Lord's Prayer in the Bible? Well, I have said every, I think every time I've been here in the pulpit this time that you will not find the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. But you will find the Lord's Prayer here in John chapter 17. And as you read the Bible, you will see the story of our Savior in his praying. The Gospel of Mark in the first chapter starts off with our Lord in Capernaum. Mark chapter 1 in verse 20. And the disciples are seeking him. And finally, they find him praying in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 down to verse 37. On the other side of the Sea of Galilee, because of his great miraculous power, the people sought to make him a king in John 6 and verse 15. They could overcome the Roman yoke. They could find victory in revolutionary contests with the empire itself if they had Jesus. Here's a man that could feed an army with a, a few loaves and a few fishes. And here is a man who could raise a soldier who was killed from the dead. They sought to make him a king. That pleased the disciples, and they egged it on. They egged it on. You hear me? They egged it on. And as they did, but the Lord sent them away, Brother Dietz. The Lord said, just, just go away. He sent them away. He sent the disciples away. And himself found himself departing into a mountain alone. And apart to pray in Matthew chapter 14, 23. So in the Bible, we find many examples of our Savior before he made a decision, he prayed. 
we could, we could fare much better in our decision making if we would do that. Before we make any kind of decision in life, we go to the Heavenly Father and we talk to Him about it. Amen. Imagine out of such humble peasants to choose a Peter and a John and a Matthew. Our Lord prayed with the Greeks when the Greeks came to see him, representing the cultural world, the civilized world in John 12, 21, 22, 27, 28. And our Lord greeted them and in all involved in the worldwide message of salvation, the Lord prayed again. Our Lord prayed before he blessed the loaves and the fishes in Mark 6, 41. Our Lord prayed before he opened the ears of the death in Mark 7, 33, down to verse 35. Our Lord prayed before he raised Lazarus from the dead in John eleven forty one down to verse 42. Our Lord prayed when he looked into the face of Simon Peter and said, Satan hath desire to have you, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren in Luke 22, down to verse 31 and 32. Our Lord prayed in Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 39 down to verse 42. Our Lord prayed on the cross in Luke 23, 34. Our Lord prayed as he ascended up into heaven, reaching forth his hands in blessings upon the watching disciples in Luke 24 down to verse 50 and 51. And according to Hebrews 7 and verse 25, which is one of the great verses of the Bible, and in my opinion, one of the greatest, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. What a tremendous emphasis we have in that verse on intercessory prayer. And so our Lord won great mighty act of dying after three years of ministry in Matthew 27, 32, down to verse 50, and now almost 2,000 years of intercessory prayer in Romans 8, 34, and Hebrews 7, 25. Our Lord today remembers us in intercessory prayer, and matter of fact, he ever liveth to pray for you and me. What a blessing. What a father. Amen. Yes, sir. We have some intercessors, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And um, he, he's our paraclete. He's our guide. He's our teacher. And he lives within this old temple, doesn't he? And then he prays for us with groanings. And then he takes them to Jesus that sits on the right hand of the Father. And then he gives them to Jesus. And then Jesus takes them to God the Father. And then we are blessed. Amen. So our Lord seeks intercessors, church. I have told you, I have showed you, I have quoted from the Bible tonight 
many examples of the Lord's intercessory work where he has been an intercessor for us. And he wants us to walk even as he walked. He wants us to be like him. And so he is seeking some intercessors here tonight. Amen? I don't know what you're going to do with it whenever he uh, grips your heart in this message and he lays upon you to be an intercessor tonight. I hope that you will say, yes, sir, my father, I will do so. I will obey you. I will pray without ceasing. I will pray everywhere and I will not get weary when trials comes my way. You can count on me, Jesus, to be one of your intercessors. See, it's hard. It's hard work to be an intercessor. We can't complain. We just we can just accept what comes in life and and, and just go anyway. Just like my friend. I said to him. And he said to me, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. It's tough. Just lost a son. I must keep going. I got a work to do for Jesus. He interceded in his life, and he has left me a, a prime example of what an intercessor was. I cannot let this trial keep, I loved him, I loved my son, but I love my Lord too, and he wants me to keep going. Amen. Then he got the call from his, from his brother's family. My brother's dead now. I got to keep going. I can't let this stop me. I got to keep praying for my church. I got to keep praying for my family. I got to keep praying for the lost. I got to keep praying. Brother Beckham, I got to keep going. Pray for me. Another phone call. Dad is in, in the hospital. He's 93 years old. Just lost a son, just lost a grandson. I must keep going, Brother Beckham. I can't give up. I got to go. I got to be strong. That's the heart of a pastor. That's the heart of a real Christian. Amen. So when I, when I look into the Bible, one of the things that God has done in this universe is he seeks and is seeking intercessors tonight. And he, and he, wants, he wants to answer their prayers. He wants to bless them. But when he looked, I want you to take your Bible just for a moment here. And I'm going to walk you through this. Isaiah chapter 59. And I read in verse 15 and verse 16. The Bible says, Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. 
that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought forth salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him. He looked at the nation. He saw the condition of the nation. And he saw that nobody was interceding. We look at America tonight. America is in a bad condition. And I'm sure God is wondering, where is all these people that says they love me? Where is all these associate pastors? Where is all these pastors? Where is all these deacons? Where are all these deacons' wives and pastors' wives that stands up and shouts and holler and scream? In meetings. Where are they at now? We need people to pray. We need people that will stick with the, with, when it's hard in life, just stick and go on anyway. Amen? And then I turn the page of this prophecy of Isaiah to chapter 63. Would you turn there? And if you haven't noticed, I'm reading you scripture tonight. I can't go wrong doing that, can I? I turn the page to this prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 63 and verse 4 and verse 5 where the Bible says, For the day of vengeance is, my, is in my heart, and the year of my redeem is come. And I looked... And there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my theory it upheld me. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeem is come. Listen to it the second time. And I looked, and there was none to help. I am looking at churches every night of my life and I am seeing a few, just a few here and there that is really there for the right reason and that reason is to help. And how can we help? How can we help? One of the greatest helps we can give to our church and to ourselves is intercessory prayer. Praying for one another, upholding one another, loving one another, amen? amen. Forgiving one another. Amen. And then the next chapter, chapter 64, verse 6 and 7, we are told, listen to the prophecy again, but we are all as unclean things. And all of our righteousnesses as filthy rags, and we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us. 
because of our iniquities. You see that? It's because of our iniquities that God is bringing vengeance upon us. What we are experiencing in America right now is the vengeance of God. It is the judgment of God. And what he's doing, he's sitting up there in heaven and he's wondering what we are doing. What do you mean what we're doing, Brother Begum? We come into church, we soul winning, we read in our Bible, we do But are we praying? Are we carrying out the real duty of a Christian? The most important duty. Are we doing that? I know we're passing out tracts. I know we are sending missionaries to the foreign field. I know we are reading our Bible. I know we are doing all the things that a Christian does. But are we really doing it? How much time you spent in intercessory prayer today? Who did you pray for today? Hello? Who did we pray for today? Did my heart break when I heard my friend on the other end crying and weeping and sobbing? Did I, did I even care? You know what came to my mind this morning when, when I heard my friend? I remember receiving a phone call just last week. As I was having a heart cath, my, my 51-year-old son was having a heart cath. And the doctor said he could have died. If he would have went to sleep last week, he would have died. 100% in the front, 95% on the back of his heart was stopped up. Does God have to send things into our life to wake us up? <clears throat> then I turn the page again to the prophet Joel. Prophet Joel chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. Listen to what he says here. Gather the people up. That's what we're doing this week. We are gathering here at Faith Baptist Church. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, those that suck the breast, that the bridegroom may go forth into his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep before the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give thy heritage to reproach that the heathen shall rule over them. Therefore shall they say among the people, Where is their God? We are gathered, but what are we going to do? Are we going to decide this week to be intercessors for God? Are we going to just 
be satisfied just being a member of a church somewhere. But are we going to gather for the right reason? My Bible tells me that this place should be called the house of prayer. And we come into this place and we sing and we praise God and we do all kind of stuff. But do we really intercede? Do we really intercede? Ask yourself, when I come to church... And when I leave, I have prayed for this group, this group, this group, this group, this group, this peop- these people, these people. I have prayed for my children. I have prayed for my grandchildren. I have prayed. But do we leave having done no intercessory work at all? Think about it. Forget what you have been told. I have forgot. I am trying to forget everything I have ever been taught in any of the six Bible colleges I attended. I am trying to forget everything that I have been taught by man and, 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 and dwell within the pages of the Word of God and just renew my, my learning. Because I wasn't taught to pray. Isn't that ironic? Now I'm calling the church back to pray, to prayer. We all need to be recalled back to prayer, called back to prayer. As you know, there there was no intercessor here in these passages of Scripture to pray. And the Lord's righteous judgment carried away the people into captivity, destroyed the nation, destroyed the holy city, destroyed the temple of worship because there were no intercessors. I was standing in my study the other day couple days ago saw a book by Dr. Elmer Towns the the fastest growing 10 fastest growing churches in America probably back in the 60s and I opened that book and I started counting the ones that are still in operation today I think there may be 8 of them The others are destroyed for lack of prayer. They built the largest churches within the flesh. And when the leader died, the church died. But when a church is built upon God and upon prayer, the leader can die but the church will keep going. Amen? But when a church dies, that is the proof that it was not of God in the beginning. And we don't want to hear that because we are independent Baptists and we want to condemn everybody else and preach against their sins 
But what we need to do, Brother Paulie, we need to look within our own ministries and say, God, forgive me. Amen? Amen. God looked down upon these nations and they, they just forgot, they, they had forgotten God. And God destroyed the whole nation. God destroyed the holy, holy city, I'll repeat it again, and destroyed the temple of worship because there was no one praying. And we're still doing what we have done for 100 years, 50, 75 years. We're still having our seminars on how to build a church when the book of Acts is the greatest syllabus that has ever been written to how to build a church. Amen. The early church was a praying church. It was, a, it was a loving church. It was a soul-winning church. It was a preaching church. But most of all, it was a praying church. Amen. They prayed for one another. They had all things in common. They had unity. Amen. Amen. So here we are. We as God's people should look at our assignment. What kind of assignment, Brother Beckham? We have an assignment. We have an assignment to be intercessors. Most of us are making F's on that assignment. We need to pray for ourselves. We need it. We need to pray for one another. Amen? Will you agree with that? How many times do we find the Apostle Paul beseeching his brethren to pray for him? In Romans 15, verse 30, he says, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. I turn again to the book of Ephesians, the last chapter in verse 18 and 19. It says, praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's our assignment, to pray for one another. I, I, I say it all the time. Churches are having problems, and I, I say it to the preacher, I say it to the deacons, I say it to the church. Uh, you, if you just start praying for one another, you wouldn't be... Can I say it? Gossiping about one another. You, you just can't be right with God and pray and do that kind of stuff. Hello. We got an assignment of what kind of grace is going to be on our report card when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. That is not going to be a rose garden judgment. Better listen. I turn the page to the book of Colossians. 
chapter 4 and verse 2 and 3. The Bible says, continue in prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving, with all, praying also for us. Are you doing that? I turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25. Paul said, brethren, pray for us. The most simplest thing that we have to do in the Bible is to pray, and it's the hardest thing. People tell me all the time, Brother Beckham, you know what the hardest thing in my life as a Christian to do? I said, don't say it. Because I have heard it hundreds of times. Christian people saying, that the hardest thing for them to do is to have a prayer life. Do you know what you're saying when you say that? You're saying that the hardest thing you have to do in your Christian life is to talk to your Heavenly Father, the one that birthed you in the family, in His family. He ought to be the easiest one for us to talk to, but He's the hardest Hmm. Then 2 Thessalonians chapter chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, Finally, brethren, pray for us. Our churches and our pastors need our prayer. Our nation stands in need of prayer. The lost world needs our prayers. Have you... How are you doing with your assignment as an intercessor? How are you doing? God has ordained that our prayers and our strength be found in intercession in prayer. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Would you turn there with me? Boy, it's quiet around here. But I'm one of these crazy preachers that believes that when it's quiet, that's when God is really doing a work. And nobody, Brother Dietz, you, I preach for you. You have heard me shout. You have heard me. You have seen me run your aisles. You have, heard, you have seen all of that in the early days of this ministry. But as I get into the, as I get deeper and deeper into it, I am finding the reason why there's not real shouting and real joy and real this stuff. Is because there's no intercessors. We not pray. I guarantee you, if we if we were in in tune with heaven, like the Bible teaches that we should be in tune with heaven, you wouldn't be quiet around here tonight. It's quiet tonight because somebody or many bodies are guilty of not being intercessors. Ask yourself. Just ask yourself, have I prayed?
prayed today? Did I pray for my nation? Did I pray for my leaders? Did I pray for the lost today? Ephesians 6.18, listen to it. Praying always with all prayer. Supplication in the Spirit and watching there, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What are we going to do with that verse? We do okay, we go ye therefore. We do okay sometimes with study to show yourself approved unto God. But how about this verse? It is just as important. It is just as much part of the Word of God as all those other things that we do every day. Amen. How about 1 Timothy 2.1? Ephesians 2, I mean 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. I exhort therefore... I, I exhort, therefore, <coughs> changed my life many years ago. I picked up the phone and I called my professors because I pastored when I was in Bible college. And, and when that particular school, if you was a pastor, whether you was a student or whether you was not a student, you had authority on campus. So as a student, I didn't have much authority. But as a pastor, I had authority to walk into, the pres- into any office I wanted to and say, Why? And I walked in, and I wasn't, I wasn't even in this ministry yet. I still had Diane. I still had my church. But I walked in. Why? Why, is it, why isn't it, first of all, in the school? I had... Biblical grounds to stand on. And we do today. And I still do it today. You know, I get to preaching all of them. And they know when Brother Beckham comes on campus, I am going to go to the Greek professor's office. And I'm going to ask, Why? We teach them Greek, we teach them Hebrew, we teach them missions, we teach them how to preach, we teach them how to do outlines, we teach them how to soul win, we teach them how to do everything, but they come out dead as a hammer because they don't know how to pray. And we need to change that. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, most important, supreme importance, preeminence, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. 
That's pretty plain, isn't it? There's a poem that was written years ago. I think the man that wrote it knew a, knew a little something. I called a prayer, I cannot sleep. A midnight virgil I must keep. For, for God doth call, I hear him speak. The prayer to prayer I must repeat. The need of such is everywhere. It fills the earth, it fills the air. It's urgent need of urgent prayer. To bend in need, to bend in knee. God's call to you, God's call to me. Because what is... What is and is to be shall reach throughout all eternity. Dear friends, I say again, I say, a truth has burned in my heart this day. It's the need of prayer. Let's combat what may. We can err overcome until we pray. Awake, awake, ye saints, awake. Your place of prayer, believe and take. Stand in the breach for Jesus Stand ere souls be lost. Too late. Too late. Where is the intercessor? Where is he at? Before my feet begin to give me trouble, at this point of this message, I would walk down the aisles. Fifteen years ago, I would walk down the aisles and I would look you in the eyes with the authority of God's Word and I would just simply ask, are you an intercessor? That's an honest question. And no one should mind that being asked to them. No one should get upset. But people did. They didn't let me know it, but they did. I didn't do it to just to be honorary. I just did what my, my father did centuries, uh, years ago. He said, where is my intercessors? Then he laid it upon my heart to call the church back to prayer. And so with that assignment came that question, are you an intercessor? So tonight, I'm going to just stand up here and ask that group here, are you an intercessor? Have you prayed? Are you praying? Are you an intercessor? Are you praying? See, we're preaching, we're doing all that, we're doing all this stuff. You say, well, Brother Beckham... Well, is there really a need, Brother Beckham, for intercessory work? An estimated 86% of people ages 18 or older reported that they drank alcohol at some point in their lifetime. 56% 
percent reported that they drank in the past month. In the same report found that in 2015, almost 27 percent of people ages 18 or older reported that in the past month they engaged in, in binge drinking which is the practice of consuming large qualities of alcohol in a single session, usually five or more drinks at one time for a man, or four or more at a time for a woman. An estimated 88,000 people, 62,000 men, 26,000 women die from alcohol-related causes, making alcohol the fourth leading preventable cause of death in the U.S. U.S. abortion statistics. This, these are old statistics. Back in 2014, 44.5 million legal induced abortions in America. Look at the family violence. Each year there are between one and four million women who experience serious, serious assaults by an imminent partner. The men who beat their wives, 47%, do so at least three times per year. Nearly one in three adult women experience at least one physical assault by a partner during adulthood. A drug abuse is the same thing. Terrible. Terrible. In 2002, an estimated 19.5 million Americans, or 8.3% of the population ages 12 or older, were current drug users. 12 years old. When I was 12 years old, I was playing cowboys and Indians. I was jumping from tree to tree. I was swimming in the ponds. Amen. Amen. Wasn't even thinking about taking a drug. And if I did, my dad would, you know. So I would like to close tonight with some statistics about pastors. 1,700 pastors leaves the ministry each month due to moral failures, spiritual burnout, or contention in their churches. 4,000 new churches begins each year, but more than 7,000 closes their door. 50% of pastors' marriages ends in divorce. 80% of pastors and 84% of their spouses feel unqualified and discouraged in their ministry role. 80% of seminary and Bible school grads who enter the ministry will leave the ministry within five years, no 30 years. You don't find it no more. Pastors' wives, 80% of pastors' wives wish their spouse would choose another profession. 80% of pastors' wives feel pressured to do, to do things and, and be something in the church that they really are not for. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. Almost 40% polls said they had 
an affair, an extra affair on their wife. Pastors' children, 80% of adults' children of pastors surveyed have had to seek professional help for depression. Pastors' relationship with the Lord, 80% of pastors surveyed spent less than 15 minutes a day in prayer. Now it's 12 80% said the only time they spend studying the word is when they are preparing for a sermon. Do we need intercessors? Brother Bolly, we need intercessors. We need soul winners. I believe in soul winning. I believe in Bible study. I have spent my entire life almost from 16 to 73 studying the Bible. I love the Bible. I love to see people get saved. But I've got news for you. We don't see it like we used to. He used to get in the pulpit and preach and people just flood down the aisles. Soul winners had been out that week and they had won people to the Lord and they were walking down the aisles with, their, with, their, with the people they led to the Lord. Back in those days, we had the ten largest churches. But something happened. And I'm going to say it. It's going to make him mad. It's going to make every demon in hell mad tonight. I kind of like to do that. But if we can just get back to praying, we would see it again. We would see the fire of God fall in our churches again. If we could get everybody in this church to pray. Brother Beckham, how do you... How do you know when, when a church don't pray? When I first get there and I hear about this one talking about that one and this one and this problem and that problem, I know right then the church is not praying. Don't take a genius. When I get bitter at my brethren and talk about my brother. I'm not praying. I can tell you all day, Brother Paulie, I'm praying. But if you catch me doing that kind of stuff, I'm not praying. And if I am praying, God's not listening. Amen? Amen. Church, I love you to death. Learned to love you three years ago. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love your pastor, I love his wife. Let me tell you. I'm begging you. I believe this is the most important message that that is in my sermon notes. I believe it's the most important. My pastor told me, I preached it at the National Conference some years back, and my pastor, Pastor uh, Matt Morrison, sat on the front row, and he said, Brother Beckham, I'm I'm not trying to praise you. 
But he said, I believe that's the greatest message I have ever heard in my life. He said, it changed my life. He said, I am going to leave Tabernacle Baptist Church tonight as a new man. And God has used him. But we all need to look at this, this message. And if, if your ego and you think you're more spiritual than most, I got to report to you, even the best that you have is nothing but filthy rags. That's, that's, that's just it. I have to work at it, Brother Deeds. I do. And you're a praying man too. Wrote one of the best books I've ever read on prayer. Helped me. Encouraged me. That's the reason I tell people about it even to this day. I tell people about it. Just, just a humble, faithful preacher, little town, right here with Brother Paulie, intercessors, praying, praying, praying. How about it? I don't know how to give the invitation tonight. One thing that's good about being an evangelist, when you don't know what to do, you give it to the preacher. <laughs> so, I guess, why don't we stand and the pianist would come to the piano and I'm going to just ask you to mind God. <laughs> <laughs>